Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Great to have you with us. Brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. The Purdies have served this valley for decades. They're great professionals who are really good at their jobs, who are even better people. These are great people. And it's the kind of people we want to be around all the time. And they just do a great job for their customers. Customer service means everything to them. And because of their great customer service, they always try to find the best price, the right insurance. If there's ever a claim, they just get their hands dirty right away and go to work for you. Great people. Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. I'm in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Our thanks to Brad Nessler for joining us in the previous half hour. This half hour, Matt Leon. But first, our play-by-play call of the day. The Suits guy gets into the Hall of Fame. Hey, uh, Coach, for your viewers out there who don't know, uh, I'm David Baker, president of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And on behalf of all of those of us who love this game and the Pro Football Hall of Fame, it is my great This privilege. isn't right that this is happening right now, but... <laughs> okay, yeah. never mind. No, no, please come back. <laughs> Coach, I want to thank you for all you've done for the game, for all you're going to do for the game. And I want to welcome you to Canton, Ohio, wow. where you're drawn to hey! your legacy. Hey! Yeah! How about that, Congratulations, Coach, speech. Um, you know, I just tell him, V, I says, I've come to grips. I'm okay. Um, if it doesn't happen, um, I've been so blessed. And I would just say this. For those eight candidates, every one of you deserve to be there. Um, football is a total team sport. Um, I had some great players, some great coaches, the best organization in football. Um, I've lived a blessed life. I've come to the best network on TV. It's a family here like it was a family that we had there. And to have to give back to something, to the game of football, has been a part of my life. The virtues that it teaches you, the morals that you have the obligation to move on, the platforms that we have. Um, you know, I'm a blessed man. Coach, on behalf of the Pro Football Hall of Fame and all those fans that are watching and all of us who love this game, thank you, Coach, for all you've done for the game. Thank you for all you're going to do for the game. Thank you for the history that you've made and the lives that you've impacted. Thank you. It's my great honor to tell you that you're going to be the 328th Hall of Famer into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And your legacy is going to be in Canton, Ohio forever. Congratulations, Coach. Congratulations. Congratulations. Oh, Oh, my God. Awesome. The only thing I can think of is all the assistant coaches that have worked for me, all the great players that have played for me, they're the reason I'm here. This is so special to me because when you put in the work that we put in, it's nice to know people appreciate it. 
Absolutely. We love you, JJ. Love you, Amen to that, brother. Love you. Congratulations. Jimmy Johnson, the latest yeah. member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. You tell it meant a lot to both of them. They both deserve it. They both deserve it. But I will say this. If they both deserve it, there are a few others that deserve it as much. You can love Bill Cowher all you want. You're telling me Mike Shanahan shouldn't be in? You're telling me Tom Flory shouldn't be in? No offense. They won more title games than Bill did. And Bill deserves to be in. So please, don't, uh, again... You know, I, I, the difference is, I, I come. From, I always come from these things a little different perspective than some people because I don't have an agenda. Okay? I mean, t- I mean, and I say this with all honesty: of the suit, the suit is like he is so Bill Cower and Steeler oriented, he can't see the forest from the trees. All right, so and I understand he must be thrilled that his guy got in. All right, and I think he should be in. So please, he should be in. But if he's in, what about that guy? <laughs> and what about that guy? LSU's going to play tonight. Now, did you see who did the who narrated the LSU hype video for the players yesterday? Come on, Matt, you can do this. I did not. How about the Rock? Oh, that ought to get you fired up. Now you're saying, how in the heck? Did LSU get the rock to narrate their video? Well, guess who his position coach was at the University of Miami? Ed Orgeron. How about that? When Penn State when Penn State played Miami in Beaver Stadium in 1992, right? Remember they came in here. It was a close game. It was in fact in Gino Toretta's Heisman season. He only threw for 85 yards in that game. It was the worst game he played all year. Penn State led most of that game. John Sacka made a couple of mistakes that happens. But Ed Orgeron was here in Beaver Stadium as the defensive line coach for Dwayne The Rock Johnson. How about that? That's awesome. Didn't expect that answer, did you? No. Not in the least bit. All right. And the suit didn't hear a word I said because he's still celebrating about Bill Cower in the back room as if as, as if he's ever met him. All right, so <laughs> with that we bring in Matt Leon from Philadelphia. We're going to talk about the Eagles and about the changes they made, including the coordinators. Great to have you with us, Matt. Um, I think well the the two on offense they'll be looking for a new offensive coordinator and a new uh, wide receivers coach after uh, letting Mike Grow and Carson Waltz go uh, last week I think that was uh, kind of expected in the big picture it got kind of weird because Doug Peterson said the day before the press conference they'd both be back specifically and would not be the first time that Doug had kind of put his foot in his mouth at the podium Uh, but I think both guys uh, it was probably time for a change given the inconsistency we saw uh, with the with the offense in general, and specifically at the wide receiver position, and now with the word at Corey Unglund, the defensive backs coach is going to the Lions to be defensive coordinator. Um, he was a guy that you probably heard his name more than you would most secondary coaches because of the struggles the secondary had this year. Uh, uh, they had a lot of injuries 
it's tough to say how much of it was coaching and how much of it was, you know, when you get down to the sixth, seventh guy on the depth chart, how much can you expect? Uh, but I, I don't think in general some fresh eyes, some fresh ideas would be the worst thing uh, for this coaching staff going forward. Yeah. Okay. Um, the status of Malcolm Jenkins, is this a case of too old, too, mu- too much money, or can they bring him back? I think they should bring him back. I I know that you know most of the time when you redo a contract and an extension, uh, you're basing, you're paying for projection, what you project the guy is going to be. Right. But I I think every once in a while you have to do a guy a solid based on what he's brought to the table and what he means in the locker room. And I think uh, Malcolm Jenkins falls under that. Uh, are his best days behind him probably can he still be a quality football player for a few years absolutely and i think he just means too much to the team i I, when it's all said and done i'd be surprised if if something isn't hammered out i also think he means too much to the organization yeah no i agree and i I, and to the city and everything i'm frankly kind of surprised they haven't done something already i thought that would be something we would hear in the middle of the season or something like that but uh I mean, we'll see. Any, it's a, it's a business, and anything's possible. But I, I just be kind of more disappointed than anything. I just, I think yeah. he's earned it. I think they need him. I think it makes a lot of sense. It would be a shame if they can't figure it out. I uh, want to ask you quickly about um, basketball, and that's Joel Embiid and what his status is moving forward. Uh, they're looking when they had the surgery. I guess that was last Tuesday. It all runs together. Yeah. They said he'd be reevaluated in a couple weeks. So I don't think this is catastrophic. It's not good, um, you know. But uh, uh, I don't know what to make of them. They're such an up and down roller coaster. I think they'll be fine come the postseason. But uh, the way the roster is built and the, some of the head shaking losses they've had this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think uh, you know we'll wait and see. We'll learn more, I guess, next week uh, once he gets reevaluated for that finger. Yeah. Uh, i got to ask you about uh, Penn. I did watch a little bit of the Princeton game the other night. Uh, where is Steve Donahue's team right now? How how good are they and how, where are they lacking at the moment? I, I think they're good. Um, Princeton seems to really have their number. Yeah. I was yeah. really surprised. Like I didn't – I thought given who Princeton had lost uh, over the last year or so and guys like Devin Kennedy, Miles Stevens – I thought this would be a little bit of a rebuilding year for Princeton. And really, the non-league, their performance in non-league did nothing to kind of push you off that. Uh, But watch the eye test, watching them. The game at the Palestra, I don't know that they can play any better. They were exquisite uh, last week. This game in Princeton, Penn played better, brought more to the table. Penn actually got out 10-2 early on. Uh, But from that point on, Princeton kind of just did the same thing, kind of took the game away from them. Uh, they they got the lead up to I think it was as many as 16 points. Now Penn, yes. to their credit, yeah. uh, you know, got it down in the final minute to within three, and uh, Princeton made a couple plays to close it out. But uh, we've kind of seen this story before. Uh, Penn has under Steve Donahue, with the exception of the year they won the Ivy League, started very slow in league play. This is the second straight year they get swept by Princeton to start the league. And every other year, they've been able to recover enough to get into the Ivy League tournament. And I still think that's very possible this year. They're, the, you know, they're talented there, and they're going to win more than their share of games. Right. But you just, it, when you keep putting yourself in this hole, you know, eventually you're probably not going to be able to dig out of it at some point. 
Uh, not that 0-2 is the end of the world, but you know, in a 14-game conference season, an oh. 0-2 start is tough, especially yes, when it's it to a rival, yep. and especially when it's to a team that's, I would guess, probably going to be in that 2-3-4 slot in the league, fighting to, to get to the Ivy League tournament. Now they've got the tiebreaker over you, so it doesn't make life any easier. Uh, but, you know, by no means are they buried, but uh, they got a couple of big five games, St. Joe's and Temple, before uh, uh, their first full Ivy weekend. And that's, you know, the first game's going to be Harvard on January 31st at home. And Harvard's very good, and that's not going to be easy. So uh, that's going to be a huge game, um, and it'll be interesting. I, I think they'll respond favorably, but uh, it's, going to, it's going to be interesting. Like I said, they've, they've made life tougher for themselves with these two losses to Princeton. My friend, thanks so much. Great to have you with us. Always a pleasure. And our thanks again to Matt Leon from KYW in Philadelphia. We'll take a break. When we come back. We'll have more on the Astros and the MLB heading down those suspensions and punishments from the cheating scandal. More on Alex Cora and a little bit more on the national championship game we have to talk about tonight. Plus, Penn State men's basketball. They are out of the top 25 after their two losses at Rutgers and home against Wisconsin on Saturday. More on that coming up on the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Brought to you by Purdy Insurance. All right. Well, never got to Penn State basketball. Um, <laughs> and the NFL playoffs. You know, it's interesting about the NFL playoffs this weekend. During the season, the regular season, the run pass ratio was 59% pass, 41% run. You know what the run pass ratio was for the four winning teams this weekend? 57% run and 43% pass. How about that? Uh, a lot of people are... Uh, okay. A lot of people are trying to give um, a pass to Lamar Jackson, who's still a young quarterback and blah, blah, blah. Look, he's the he is a gigantic reason why they're where they are. But that doesn't mean he can't be criticized for having a game of complete mediocrity. <laughs> I mean, mediocrity. He did not play well on Saturday night, and here's the biggest reason why. Baltimore is a team that thrives on playing with the lead. They thrive on playing with the lead. And what happened was is it was a game they fell behind. And when they fell behind, they don't they're not a come from behind they're not built to be a come from behind team. Like Russell Wilson, having him a quarterback, you're always a come-from-behind team. Why? Because he's the biggest wild card going at quarterback. He was spectacular yesterday at Green Bay. My goodness. Uh, But that's not where Baltimore is right now. And I'll give you one sequence. Uh, Part of this is team management, load management. I think it's really hard to be sharp when you're off 19 days between games. I felt, and I said this going into Week 17, so this is not inconsistent. This is not one of those post-mortem things. I said going into Week 17, when they announced that they were not going to play some of their starters, including Jackson, in Week 17, I said, I think that's a mistake. I've always been a big believer that you play people and in other words, play them the first half, play them the first series of the second half, 
and then take them out. Just keep them in the rhythm of playing. Everybody in the league is used to having a week off. It's built into the schedule. But nobody's used to having 19 days between games. Nobody is. And that's where the Ravens were. And I think they looked like a team that hadn't played in 19 days. Now, on him, at the end of the first half, remember the Ravens had a chance to score a touchdown at the end of the half? And remember how they ran out of time and couldn't get another playoff and they had to settle for a field goal? Well, you know where they lost the time. They lost the time because Lamar Jackson mismanaged the clock. And he mismanaged the clock right before the two-minute warning. Right before the two-minute warning. They got to the line of scrimmage with 2.12. And they showed a, an end zone shot. You know that gigantic thing that's ticking up there on the main scoreboard, on the video board, the gigantic thing ticking up there? That's the clock. When it reached two minutes, we're not playing anymore. And they got to the line of scrimmage at 2.12 and messed around, messed around, messed around, and he never got the ball snapped. Even if you snap the ball at 2.08, you might have two more plays at the end of the half. Now, you could have thrown an interception. You could have fumbled. You could have been sacked. I mean, there's a lot of could'ves that could have happened. But a best-case scenario, you could have two more shots at the end zone before then having to be forced to settle for a field goal. And they didn't have those two plays because he wasn't aware of what the clock was. That's that's how out of sync they were. And that's, you know, in the playoffs, you've got to be the maestro out there. He was not the maestro there. 49ers were terrific. The Chiefs-Texans game was wild. And Aaron Rodgers was... Boy, when it came time to drop one in the bucket, he dropped one in the bucket, didn't he? Gee. And that the great thing about the play that they ran on the third down play to Adams, that was an audible. That was not the play call from the sideline. He saw something different, changed the play, dropped it in. And Russell Wilson is what Lamar Jackson should strive for. And Mahomes, <laughs> most misleading graphic of the day was at the end of the first quarter. Mahomes was three of seven passing while Watson was Watson had great numbers. Watson's a terrific quarterback. Love Watson. Um, but he's three of seven. The other four passes were dropped. <laughs> I'm sitting there going, boy, he looks pretty sharp to me. He looks really sharp to me. Well, he ended up being sharp, all right. ESPN planning eight-figure offer to Tony Romo. Wow. How about that? Wonder if that includes time off for golf.
Now there remember, one, if he goes to ES, go ahead. There was one report that was saying that it would work out better for him that way in his schedule because Monday night you have an extra night that he can play tournaments like Thursday, Friday, Saturday. As to why he would take it. You know what's interesting about Romo, though? Is CBS can make another offer of a lot of money, but also get him to work golf tournaments. He knows the game. For nearly 100 years, Purdy Insurance has been your locally owned, family operated source for insurance products. With a staff of over 20 and partnerships with some of the industry's most trusted companies, Purdy has the experience and resources to get the job done. Whether you need personal home and auto or complex business insurance solutions, Purdy will help you navigate through the process. Call today at 570 286 5855. Or better yet, stop in their Sunbury office to see what Purdy Insurance can do for you. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. You want to go with the best of the business, you want to go with Purdy Insurance. Great people who are great professionals. That's Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. We're in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors. 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia. Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We'll get back to the baseball thing in a moment. National championship game is tonight. I do want to touch on Penn State basketball. And... They had a bad week. Didn't shoot the ball well. Flat out didn't shoot the ball well. No getting around it. You want to pick an area why they lost? They lost because they didn't shoot the ball well last week. And when you play a team like Wisconsin, what were the two things I said on Friday? Number one, You have to shoot the ball decently, not perfect, but decently, and you have to play with the lead. The two go hand in hand. Well, Penn State not one time went to the lead because Penn State didn't shoot the ball well. It was an odd, odd day because Penn State got two threes from Jamari Wheeler Penn State got a three from Lamar Stevens and got a three from Isaiah Brockington. Of their top six three-point shooters, those would be numbers four, five, and six. The guys at the top of the food chain couldn't hit shots. I think uh, Myron Jones hit one. That was it. They've got to get Miles Dredd out of his slump, or Miles has got to get himself out of the, out of his slump. It just has to. Um, but that's what it comes down to. Couldn't do that. Now, you're going to have, obviously, a... because of, Look, because of the history of Penn State basketball, which I completely understand, nobody knows it. 
better than I do. I've probably seen more Penn State basketball games live than any living human being, I guess, in terms of, like, actually physically being at the game. The second something doesn't go right, the sky is falling and there's mass panic in the streets. That I completely understand because of the past history. But I also think that is not the reality of this situation. And the reason is, is that the Big Ten, two things. Number one, I think Penn State is a really good basketball team. Really good basketball teams can have bad weeks. And I think that... The league has 12 out of 14 teams that happen to be, that happen to think they're not all going to get there, but happen to think they're good enough to make it. The Big Ten, and Dana, I talked with Dana O'Neill today from The Athletic, and Dana is obviously one of the best college basketball writers going. She sees a lot of basketball. And in her opinion, the Big Ten and the Big East are the two deepest conferences in college basketball. She says you look at the ACC, top really good, middle, bottom, no. SEC, top really good, middle, bottom, no. Pac-12, Arizona, Colorado, Oregon, really good. Boom, after that, struggles with the next nine. Big 12, uh Good top, probably pretty good middle, but not a very good bottom. The Big Ten doesn't have that. So let's give you the perfect example, Michigan State. Michigan State had what could be perceived as the best starting advantage of anybody. And that is for their first five games in the conference were at home. The one road game was against the one team, one of the two teams, Nebraska being the other. That's struggling, and that's Northwestern. Northwestern beat Nebraska yesterday. That was the only road game was at Northwestern. Everything else had been friendly confines until yesterday. And they went to Purdue yesterday, and Purdue's won, what, they had won eight games in the season total? And Purdue sandblasted that team yesterday at home. Sandblasted them. If that is not an eye-opening as to the depth of the conference, nothing is. I mean, they beat, what, they beat them by 24 yesterday? Something like that. That's the conference. Penn State's got to play at Minnesota. Daniel Turo's playing really well. They beat Michigan yesterday. In Minneapolis, Aturo had 30. Then they got Ohio State here on Saturday at noon. And they're looking at a huge crowd here on Saturday. The crowd, by the way, this past Saturday with Wisconsin was 10,139. Was fabulous. And I'm talking like, I'm talking trying, I mean, as a sixth man, as doing everything they could to be a positive influence. I mean, the crowd was the biggest positive of the day. They were tremendous. And then wrestling sold out Rec Hall again Friday, Sunday. How about wrestling? 
right? He's had to make he's had to make some changes in the lineup. He's had to revamp it. The whole deal. They won twice. In fact, they beat the number twelve team easier than they beat twenty four. They got Rutgers at five on Sunday. Rutgers on ESPN two. But the crowd for basketball was phenomenal on Saturday and did everything they could to be a positive in the game. Pesce just couldn't hit shots. And the first five minutes of the game, Penn State shot selection, in my opinion, was poor. I thought for the rest of the game, most of Penn State shots were really good shots. And most of those threes were open uncontested threes, and they didn't hit them. So you go back in, the bottom line is keep doing what you're doing, You just, but you got to hit shots. You have to. And, there's, and in this league, don't panic. Don't panic. There's enough depth and quality depth in this league. You win enough games, you'll get home. Just keep going. The worst thing the team can do is panic and think, oh, no, here we go, we had a bad week. So what? Go to this week. Done. They're good enough, believe me. They're good enough. Now they have to go out and they have to continue to show that they're good enough. That's up to them now. They have to show that themselves. Go out and show that you are good enough. They can do that by starting that on Wednesday. All right. Um, Alex Cora. A.J. Hinch, we read you part of the report. Uh, And the Astros scheme is rather detailed. A.J. Hinch was suspended for a year, the manager. Jeff Luno was suspended for a year, the general manager. Jim Crane, the owner, then had a press conference and announced that the two... Now, Hinch, by the way, was suspended for a year without pay. He, okay? He was going to be... He was, the deal was he was suspended for one year without pay. In the press conference, the owner of the team, Jim Crane, announced that both Luno and Hinch were then subsequently fired by the organization. So they're both out of jobs now. The Astros have been fined $5 million, which is the max... And they will lose first and second round picks in each of the next two drafts. So four picks total. What's next, though, is going to be Alex Cora. He was interviewed by Major League Baseball. 68 other witnesses were interviewed by Major League Baseball. And when it all comes together, one of the key figures in the Astros twenty seventeen season was their bench coach, Alex Cora. If the ongoing investigation corroborates the details about the twenty eighteen season, that the Athletic reported. 
Cora may even get a longer suspension, which, of course, you would feel the Red Sox would not stand behind him. The Astros did not stand behind A.J. Hinch or Jeff Luno. They fired them. And Hinch was against what was going on, but did nothing to stop it. He broke the monitor monitor in the dugout with a bat twice. He was so mad about it. But that's not enough. It didn't say, you know. Manfred's report, Cora is mentioned a lot. I will say this, the Major League Baseball today showed that there is some backbone when it comes to this. For anybody who thought they were going to just, ah, soft soap it, get rid of it, whatever. Hmm. I didn't even get to one of the stories I wanted to talk about today. And that is Charlotte Wilder's report. Uh, or uh, look at why college football attendance has gone down. Penn State has gone completely against this. Penn State's attendance has gone up, then remained steady. There's only so far you can go. It's gone up, it's remained steady. Student tickets sell out in minutes. Do you realize, according to Charlotte's report on SI.com, Charlotte Wilder said that Ohio State student tickets, they sold 6,500 fewer student tickets for the 2019 season compared to 2018. That's shocking. Clemson a year ago, 2018, went 15-0, Matt. You know how many games they sold out at home in Death Valley? How many do they get per year at home usually? Was it six? Eight. They get seven per year. Seven per. I'll say. Uh, I'll say four. How about zero? Whoa! Clemson. Clemson in 2018, when they went went 15 and 0, did not sell out a single game at home. Now that's shocking. Now in 2019, they did sell out three times. From 2014 to 2018 at Florida. Attendance dropped 7.6%. To their credit, they bounced back in 2019 and had averaged 2,000 more per game. They're talking to students and others as to why. Some of the answers are really interesting. I'm going to get to that in a moment as we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all 
applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. All right, great to have you with us. So, Charlotte Wilder's article on SI.com, she did, I mean, you, you uh, we talk about reporters doing great stuff to try and give us some insight as to what's going on. For example, Dana O'Neill's going to be doing a trip with Ohio State basketball. She's going to go to their home game, and then she's going to travel with them here for the athletic. You know, getting ready for this, you know, the, the tough stretches and so forth. Okay. So that's what she's got coming up this week. And Dan, Dan is a brilliant reporter. Charlotte Wilder from SI.com went to Florida. She then went to Clemson. She followed up to the Penn State-Ohio State game as to why attendance is going down, especially in the student body. Now, I think most of it uh, she has. There's one part of it I think she misses a little bit, and that's just only by being around a college campus as often. I mean, I live in a college town, which helps me give a greater, a little bit added perspective. And some of the some of the deal is number one, the rising cost of tuition. That's a that's a lot for some people to handle. So you have you know you got to pay more money for tuition. You're going to take out greater student loans and the whole thing. Maybe you don't feel like ponying up money for a season ticket. All right, I understand that. Um, a lot say that they don't like the schedules people are playing. The Ohio State fans, in particular, the Ohio State students, said, "You know, I want to go see them. What play Florida Atlantic? Really?" And they were they were blunt about it. They said the addition of Maryland and Rutgers. They know they have to play them every year. You know, one's away, one's home. Just flip flops every year, and they said that has zero appeal to them at all to see either one of them play. So they're winning, and also this particular year the Michigan game was at Ann Arbor. Now, as I said, when I did the Penn State-Ohio State broadcast, I said there were empty seats. I think people thought I was kidding. Uh, I wasn't kidding. There were some empty seats, and the, the empty seats were in the student section. Um, Clemson has a lot more out-of-state students than ever before. And, of course, out-of-state tuition is higher. It's just the way it is. In-state tuition is always lower as compared to out-of-state. And Clemson actually has now 39% of its student body is from out-of-state, which means they're paying more money. And here's the part she didn't get into. There's been also a change in some of the demographics because, look, you're looking, especially with higher tuition rates for out-of-state individuals. All right. There's been more and more um, 
for example, here at Penn State, there's more diversity in the student body from out of the country. Which is fine. That's that's great. I don't you know, Europe, China, Japan, Australia, whatever, but there's more diversity in the student body here at Penn State than ever before from out of the United States. Well, guess what? When that happens, relating it to football, guess what they don't play in China, Japan, and many European countries and so forth? Guess what they don't play? They don't play football. So they're not going to be coming here to Penn State as, quote, football fans. Now, they may go to a game and get really hooked on it and love it and then get hooked into being football fans. That's great. But they're going to come here. For example, when I went to Ireland to watch uh, to uh, do the Penn State Central Florida game, I'm watching Irish TV. Now, I'm an American in Ireland, so I'm watching soccer, uh, Gaelic football, Irish hurling, and lots of cricket. I can't for the life of me tell you what the deal is with cricket. Can't. Didn't grow up with it, don't know anything about it. Thus, there's no appeal for me. I mean, I suppose if I stayed there long enough, I might go over as a sports fan to see it. But in other words, putting myself into their shoes... Football is not a part of some of the cultures that have come here as part of a more diverse student body. So the dynamics of the student bodies have changed on these campuses over time. That's why Penn State selling 22,000 season tickets and doing it in minutes is phenomenal. Clemson, for example, has seen more um, applications from New Jersey, believe it or not. New Jersey is a great pro football state. They love the Eagles in southern Jersey, and in northern Jersey, it's the Giants and the Jets. But with all due respect to Rutgers, it's not a great college football area. So the whole thing is interesting. The Ohio State kids cited these scores 42 21 42 nothing 76 to 5 34 to 10 38 to 7 73 to 14 those are their home games until penn state got there and according to them they couldn't wait to go to the penn state game they thought it was going to be a great game and going in the about 10 minutes to go in the game it was 21 17 ohio state So there are a lot of factors in here, and I think as I read more and more of it, it makes what's happened here at Penn State even more phenomenal.